0: This time on episode four hundred and seventy-three of Legends of Shield, we talk Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and we talk weekly Marvel news, including how the writer strike is affecting Thunderbolts, Ray Stevenson's death, and Loki Season 2's release strategy.
1: I'm Anthony Bachman from All Things Good and Nerdy, a Geeky Podcast part of the Gun and Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other fantastic geeky shows at gunnageeknetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a S.H.I.E.L.D. debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the SHIELD director.
0: And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle.
2: And I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of SHIELD, a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Studios productions. The show is recorded on Saturday. May 27th, 2023, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Nowhere Why. Come and join our live chat as we
3: record. And if you didn't already catch on to it, we love talking about Marvel.
0: Because of pooping metaphors. If you'd like to talk to us about pooping metaphors, you can find us at our website, legendsofshield.com.
1: If you would like to somehow be the first person to leave us a voicemail while sitting on the toilet, You can do that by calling 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. If
3: you would like to discuss the difference between a simile and a metaphor, you can do so
0: on our Facebook page, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast. If you would like to send us a GIF of your favorite moment from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, you can get a hold of us at our Twitter, at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D.
1: I swear to deity of choice, if you do anything on YouTube involving poop, do not tag us. But literally anything else, especially cute raccoons, you can tag us at GunnaGeek. And,
3: and you can join our Discord server at GunnaGeek.com slash Discord, where you can talk about this movie
0: and technically advanced toilets. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GunnaGeek.com network, though right now they may not be too proud of us.
2: I don't know about that. I mean, there is a <laughs> dedicated channel in our Discord server now for toilet talk. So, yeah, we're following suit with the geekdom, and we are having an exclusive talk about toilets. The toilet, smart toilets, toilets that you use in different locations, toilets that uh, you spend a lot of time on, I guess. That whole thing <laughs> is on our Discord server, whether we want it or not, at geek.com slash discord
1: do you know how nice it is to have it light up so you don't have to aim?
2: I mean, you still have to aim. Okay, but you can see where you're going. Okay, well, there you go. You can see where to aim. It's not like you're not aiming. For God's sake, I hope you're aiming. (laughs) (laughs) Not consciously. I
1: have 35 years training of using the toilet.
2: You're just a baby. All right, so with that uh, poop talk out of the way, thank you, Michelle. We are going to talk about the rest of this wonderful movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, closing off the Guardians of the Galaxy saga. So here we go. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, premiered May 5th, 2023, and in true Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Standard, we are actually covering it within the month that it released. This is a good thing for us. Michelle, what's the IMDb description of the movie?
3: Steel reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe in one of their own, a mission that could mean the end of the Guardians if unsuccessful.
2: And Lauren, who wrote
0: and directed the film? Well, it is written and directed by James Gunn who has done all of the other Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, has 20 directing credits starting from 1997 and 41 writing credits starting in 1996. So yes, he's worked on Guardians of the Galaxy 1 through 3 and the holiday special on Peacemaker, on the Suicide Squad. But he also did the screenplay for Scooby-Doo, the movie from 2002. He did the screenplay for Dawn of the Dead, the the remake that came out in oh five he did slither he did <laughs> so he worked for trauma for a while very early in his career so he did things like Terra firmer and tromeo and juliet which if you like very campy b movies i recommend so all in all a guy with a very varied resume but a good one I just want to point out, I don't know if you
2: guys found this interesting or not, but the entire thing about giving people second chances at the end of the movie, I tend to think it actually applied to James Gunn himself with Disney actually firing him from the Guardians of the Galaxy or for Marvel, basically. He went over to DC to do the Suicide Squad, and then they basically hired him back to write the Guardians of the Galaxy's appearance and different things as well as a holiday special and this movie. So I tend to think that's second chance for him in addition for him basically being the Kevin Feige over the DC universe. Did anybody else catch on to that or was that just me?
0: No, but now that you mention it, it would surprise me if that wasn't uh, a factor in at least a couple of the later passes on the script. That whole your past doesn't necessarily define you thing
2: Yeah, I just thought it was interesting, and I thought it was a commentary on James himself. It obviously played on the screen, too, but I just, like, "Eh, I wonder if James was writing this and directing this in that style. So anybody out there, I'm welcome to debate you on that, but it definitely sounded like an ingrained thing in the movie. So let's go through some of the main cast. We won't cover everybody because this is a third installment of the Guardians of the Galaxy. But Michelle, who did you want to talk about?
3: I wanted to talk about the actor who played the high evolutionary, Chakudi Iwuji. If you're wondering, where did this guy come from? Because he's not exactly a household name. He's Nigerian British. He's done some Shakespeare. He was Clemson Myrrh. Mern on Peacemaker, which James Gunn was in charge of. So James Gunn, obviously impressed by this individual's performance and figured to make the perfect high evolutionary. And I always find it intriguing when a director connects with an actor. You can see that with like Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro. And then Martin Scorsese dumped Robert De Niro for Leonardo DiCaprio and just how there's like that existing relationship and how you can see there's trust there. And it's like, James really let him, he really kind of like chewed some of the scenery, which you can see some of that, like Shakespearean acting come through.
2: It's interesting that you mention connecting with actors. Cause of course, with guardians of the galaxy and this being the final installment of it, or Marvel Studios in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, some of the actors have expressed interest, and in, James Gunn has expressed interest in having several of the actors over in the DC universe that he's creating over there, like Dave Bautista, for instance. So I would anticipate several of these actors to show up in the DC universe as things progress, because he has, James Gunn has, in fact, connected with them over this time. Chris, you had somebody you wanted to just had to talk about. I just really,
1: really loved how Bradley Cooper was able to actually have Rocket feel sad in this. We've gone through this entire series with Angry Rocket and maybe Stoic Rocket and kind of jokey Rocket. But getting sad, mournful Rocket, I think, that's not something I would have expected to be able to come out of that cute little face. And the fact that we could do it here, I just think
0: was amazing. Voice acting is real acting. Not
2: to mention rocket actually became a raccoon, right?
0: And on top of that,
1: Dee Bradley Baker was D Bradley Baker mm-hmm. as he always is, made
2: animal noises.
0: Any animal noise that you've probably heard D Bradley Baker or Frank Welker. If you're watching old stuff.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Or new stuff.
0: Yeah, he still shows up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but he's sharing some time with D. Bradley Baker now.
0: Lauren, who did you want to talk about? I wanted to talk about our Adam Warlock, played by Will Poulter, who was a child actor, got his start in 2007. First thing I ever saw him in was, I think, his first big movie, The Chronicles of Narnia, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. He played Eustace Scrub and did a very good job in it, actually. He's been in just a whole bunch of stuff since then. He's, you might know him on Twitter as that gif of the you guys get whatever from his character and We're the Millers. Uh, he's also been in The Revenant and The Maze Runner. And my, one of my favorite movies, he was in Midsummer where he met a memorable fate, I would say. But seeing that, okay, the kid from Midsummer is going to be Adam Warlock, I was very intrigued. And while it was very different from the comics version, I dug it.
2: I actually went in wanting to hate Adam Warlock for no other reason than his previous teaser appearance and whatever. But yeah, I actually enjoyed it. And I think a lot of it was due to his portrayal as well as the writing for the character. We'll get into that in a little bit. I wanted to talk about Linda Cardellini because we've already seen Linda Cardellini in the MCU, not as the character she played here. She is Hawkeye's wife. Yep. Laura Barton. She's appeared in Age of Ultron, Endgame, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, and of course,
0: Hawkeye, Linda Cardellini. And she knows James Gunn going all the way back to Scooby-Doo, where she played Velma. Right. She voiced
2: Lila, and I think she did a, a such a great job at it. I didn't even know it was her until I was looking through all the credits at the end of the movie. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Linda carter So that was awesome to me. We talked about Maria Bakalova before, during the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Cosmo, fantastically done. It was writing, it was the CGI, it was the voice. They all had to come together, and I will credit a lot of that to Maria there. So, cool on that. I forgot that Nathan Fillion was going to be in this. Yes, Cap Mal from Firefly was Master Karja, and that was fun seeing him on the screen, especially for me going... I didn't expect to see him. And then I thought it was just going to be his quick cameo.
0: He actually had a whole little segment in there and went quite a while there. Yep. And he goes all the way back to slither with James Gunn. So one big happy family. And I kind of dig that. Right. Lauren, was there anybody else that you'd like to tip your hat to? Ooh, let's see. Well, of course, all of all of the voice actors in this movie, we got a whole bunch regarding rocket's crew in the prison and we had a replacement for a voice that we last saw in volume two as mainframe in volume two hannah montana showed up and said like three lines miley cyrus as mainframe but here she is played by tara strong who we might remember from loki as Ms. minutes
2: how can you forget Miss Minutes. I'm actually, I don't know if we're going to get more of Miss Minutes in Loki season two or not, but I'm looking forward to if we do. All right. We all saw the movie in the last month. (laughs) It's been about that long. Sorry. But uh, let's go over first thoughts, Lauren.
0: I
3: cried seven times. Once we got over the Star-Lord pity party, the film got good.
1: I think this movie came away in a direction that a lot of people didn't see coming but was exactly what we needed to close out this trilogy.
2: We actually haven't talked about it as a group yet. I'm just going to throw out there. I think they stuck the landing with it. That's my opinion with it. We can debate it, but I think they stuck the landing. That's my first thoughts of it. So let's get into talking about the movie. Let's get in and talk about Rocket, because he's at the center of the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and probably the center of all of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So Lauren, what you got to say about Rocket?
0: Okay, so everything about his story made me cry. His origin on this is a little different than his origin in the comics. In the comics, he was created basically to be a therapy animal on a planet called Half-World. Here, we have him as a science experiment that's a step in going towards creating Counter-Earth. It's a bit more Island of Dr. Moreau here in terms of the creations being abused by their creator and who is a god, basically. His story is also a little bit We Three, which is a comic by Grant Morrison, which is very good, very emotional. Floor, the rabbit, reminded me most of it. So basically, it's just this big culmination of things that are going to make me cry. Plus, you know, the visuals of an adorable raccoon with a gun and his friends love him. And, you know, in the first movie, we have him with Groot as that is his only emotional attachment. Second movie, we have him pushing everyone away and Yondu calls him out on it. And here we have him just kind of fully embracing everything. I already loved Rocket. He's just a fun, wonderful character. And this movie only solidified that.
1: The story of Rocket here is really about everybody loves him for who he is, but he hasn't let them know how he got to be that way. And yes, he realizes that everybody loves him for who he is. And, you know, that's all fine and dandy. But when you know for yourself, that you got that way through a bunch of horrible crap that you don't wish upon anybody. It's a really hard thing to get a grip on. And rocket here is finally really accepting the fact that it doesn't matter that he got to have this intelligence and all these friends and everything because of the horrible experiments that he went through it matters that he has the people there with him right now and that stuff still sucks and that's okay.
3: It's interesting that rocket is unconscious for a good part of the film, but it was a good way to give us flashbacks. Flashbacks can be cumbersome and can stall narratively, but this actually gave us its own plot because he's captured by the high evolutionary. He's experimented on by, by the high evolutionary. He ends up with this innate spark of creativity that no one can really figure out how it happened. And by the time we get him back on his feet, We've had this satisfactory arc of him going from hopeful, making friends, creating his own name. I love that scene where everyone was giving themselves name. We got Lila and then we got teeth because I got teeth and then floor because she's on the floor. I thought that was great. And because we actually had this like he's reliving his life but he's giving himself like the story arc and then when he comes out of it he's actually lived a story arc that has innately changed him not so much changed him but improved him and seen what's important in life and realizing that yes we need to rescue even the little other raccoons i still love that moment he opens up the cage and he sees like this you know genius and all that that is raccoon. That was wonderful. And him realizing that I can't run away from my past and being able to stand up to it and deal with it.
2: Like when the high evolutionary was talking to him and it's like, well, you put together this fantastic explanation of what was going wrong, but you didn't figure out that you're not going to be part of the planet you're not perfect. You're not going to be part of the planet. It's like, oh, just like he took all these years to figure out that he was raccoon. Same thing, right? Just right in front of his face. Just hasn't. And a lot of smart people are like that where they just can't make extrapolations with everything in their lives. They're great at figuring out like Albert Einstein, great at figuring out the theory of
0: relativity In life. It's kind of a mess. So just saying there, it kind of really hits on, I guess the theme of the Guardians movies is abusive parents and found family. And in terms of abusive parents, I mean we got ego. We got Yondu, who turned out to be all right in the end, but let's face it, he still traumatized little Peter with the, you know, I'm gonna eat you thing. I mean he's Mary Poppins. Yeah. We've got Nebula and gamora with thanos obviously and here we have rocket and his father figure essentially the high evolutionary who straight up tortured him and was using him just this whole time just absolutely using him and people in general have a blind spot when it comes to their parents and trying to justify. Being treated a certain way by them, trying to justify maybe the problem is me. I got really lucky. I have excellent parents, mom, dad. If you're listening to this, I love you so much. But I have a bunch of friends who have not been as lucky. And seeing the trauma that they go through, just being like, why was I not enough? Why was I not good enough? Why did you treat me like this? It's heartbreaking. And that was kind of on my mind while i was watching everything having to do with rocket and the high evolutionary yes it's obvious to us the audience okay he's not perfect this guy is obsessed with perfection of course rocket and his friends aren't going to go live on this beautiful perfect planet do you understand what i mean when it's basically their religion like they have faith that we are going through this because one day we will be in paradise
2: yeah, you're talking about the the prisoners in Group 89? Yes. Yeah. They were thinking that we're going to be part of this big thing, because that's what they're told.
0: Yeah, and you go through something horrible. And the way that at least I get through it is I tell myself, it's okay. It's going to be worth it in the end. This is for a reason. This is for something. And it turns out they were just a stepping stone. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah,
2: every week I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. It's a great podcast. It's going to be a stepping stone to something else. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And it gets to just the feels, right? The the, the feelings of everything and, and how you need to work through this. And the fact that like the high evolutionary wanted to create this perfect planet in his eyes, and Rocket basically called him out on that. It's like no, it's it's not, or was a Star Lord one of the two called him out on that. It's like it's in your vision that this is the perfect planet, or you are trying to develop the perfect society, the perfect planet, but it's not. And Thanos had the same deal, right? He got rid of half the people in the universe because there wasn't enough resources for everybody. So he, in his mind his solution was get rid of half the people and that will help solve the resourcing issue. So yeah, it's always in somebody else's mind what's right. And that's what causes conflict in human society.
1: And there's just this inherent idea that if you're creating something that you're doing it because you want that thing to exist. And so rocket is going through this entire time. Like, he gets praised and talked to lovingly when he figures out part of the problem with creating the generations that came after him. And you've got the high evolutionary telling him, Oh, you did such a good job with this. How'd you figure this out? That's so good. Telling him he's a good boy doing everything, but except for scratching him behind the ears. And every time you hear about that kind of thing, people creating something like that, They want it. They want it to be good. And kind of the same way when parents have kids, you just have this idea that your parents love you because that's what parents are supposed to do. Your creator loves you and wants you to succeed because that's what creators are supposed to do. And it's so easy to have that blind spot there.
2: I went into this movie totally unspoiled. Believe it or not, I saw it yesterday, which is the 26th of May. It had been out for like four weeks, and I went into it not spoiled. And I okay, was first
1: off, super congratulations on that.
2: I, yeah, mm-hmm. it was amazing because it wasn't like I completely ran away from social media, Reddit, Twitter, or Discord server, or anything. So I went into it still expecting there to be not only one death, but multiple deaths. And like Rocket's going to die, Starlord's going to go away. Drax probably is going to die. So when we were going through the movie, like halfway through, I'm like, okay, well, Rocket's down for the count. That would be really cruel to bring it back just to kill him off again. So probably not going to happen. So then I got started thinking about everybody else, but I was particularly concerned about Rocket because he had that nice spot at the beginning where he's basically trying to take care of everybody. And then he gets hit and is in, the med bay and they can't wake him up and they finally do at the end i was like they are not going to kill him off i'm so glad they did i'm so glad they didn't kill anybody off in this film yeah it was the last guardians of the galaxy film but we can still use some of these characters i know dave batista said he's done i know gamora this is probably the last time we're going to see her on screen i get all that And I'm fine with all that. But you don't necessarily have to kill people off. However, it would have been nice to have some sort of real cost as you're going through this as well. But maybe we've gotten too much of that in the MCU.
3: One of the things I liked about the Guardians is they live in their own little pocket. It was great to watch a movie that I didn't need 11 other things to watch before I understood it. And when you say things that people didn't die, in this case, we had people accepting each other's strengths and accepting each other's change in their life. So, in a way, we had not a literal people dying, but we had a death of the Guardians unit, because we saw Mantis going. Hey, I was doing everything you taught me, and then I got rescued by the Guardians, and I, I mean, I joined my time in the Guardians, but I haven't really done anything on my own. Drax being told that he's not a destroyer, but he's a dad, and he's got all those little kids now on nowhere to take care of. You know, to take care of. Rocket becomes. Someone who accepts who he is, a raccoon, he actually calls himself rocket raccoon, he gets promoted to captain, and that brings him into another stage of his life, and then he becomes a leader. We have Groot who has become an adult, but not the same a group that we saw in Volume One, which I appreciated, and we had got Quill going. I need to stop running from my past as well and going back to, you know, see his grandfather. And I did like the shot of him eating cereal with his grandfather at the end. I thought that was I thought that was great. So in, in an essence, he's almost killed that star lord persona that we've gotten used to to go home and be Peter Quill.
2: I have some thoughts on that. I think that, of course, at the very end, it said Star-Lord will reappear in the MCU or whatever the exact verbiage was. I wanted to take a picture of it, but I didn't get my phone out fast enough. In the comics, of course, he dates Kate Pride for a while. So there is that ad in there, maybe an X-Men or a mutant connection right there. I don't know what else that is possible for him to come back as, but... They've stuck the landing with the Guardian so far. I hope they don't erase that with his next appearance basically
3: I don't need him to come back. I know it says the legendary star Lord will return with the writer strike and things changing because Guardians was of course wrapped a whole bunch of months ago. things have changed there could be casting changes because of certain instances with a certain actor that can change the course of everything we're getting film delays honestly i would be happy with a tv show called captain rocket and the guardians of the galaxy where we get this new brand of guardians and seeing rocket be rocket i don't know if they can get bradley cooper back it would be great if they could I don't really see anyone else being Rocket, but I'm sure they might be able to get someone. It'd be an adjustment. I don't know, because I would hope Bradley Cooper be willing to do a TV show with Rocket, probably if it's Disney Plus, that six episodes, so maybe it wouldn't be too much of a time commitment for him. But I'm ready for that. I'm done with Star-Lord, partly because I'm just done with so many cocky, Characters. It's not so much the actor. I am a little bit like with the actor, but the whole cocky Han Solo Nathan Fillion being Nathan Fillion in this movie, just like the the cocky main character. Let's kind of go a different direction. And, and Rocket would be a good way to do that.
2: Can Nathan Fillion be anything else but Nathan Fillion? No. I, he's a one. Card actor there
1: don't forget though that we did have t'challa star-lord and what if take that for what you will but in regular marvel comic continuity you have had kate pride be star-lord so mm-hmm. they could be saying star-lord is coming back they didn't necessarily say that peter quill is coming back
0: yep so touching on what i was mentioning before of equating this to like a family people grow. People grow together, grow apart, whatever. We've seen the Guardians grow together, and now we're seeing them have their moment of, okay, now I want to see where I am after all this. Basically, I need to process. So we have, yeah, Peter going back to his biological family and seeing where he stands there, which... Recast there. Originally the actor who played his grandfather in the first movie was Doc Cottle from Battlestar Galactica, but he is sadly no longer with us, R.I.P. Donnelly Rhodes. So here we have somebody who is it just me, or did he kind of look like an older Michael Rooker? Like I felt like that that was kind of a deliberate casting choice.
2: I don't know. I thought we saw him as the grandfather before in volume two. No? Yeah thought so i'm you know Doc coddle. absolutely but the dude was smoking like 10 cigarettes in his mouth at one time on screen yeah. anyway so i'm not entirely surprised about that but yeah
0: but yeah we have that we have mantis like you said being like i have been connected to somebody else and doing somebody else's thing my whole life i want to see where i am i want to see who i am we have rocket basically accepting himself and moving forward with that he's still he's still basically Groot's dad he's a protector he's just i think a little bit more secure with his place in the universe now we have kraglin with his self-confidence issues and trying to live up to yondu's legacy we have phylavel who we meet at the end who I was very happy. I really liked her character in the comics. And she's somebody who, again, this is not the life path that was planned for her. Drax being the person that he was originally a dad. It's just been really beautiful to watch these characters come into their own. Like yes, as a team, but on their own, being able to stand and accept all the, Busted parts of themselves. Gamora here. We see her frustration with being compared to somebody that she's not, and then finally people accepting. Okay, this is who she is. She has her family with the Ravagers at the end. Are you guys okay with that? With
2: Gamora being Ravaged? I just I didn't really liked it. Okay, it didn't like sit it. well with me. Okay,
0: she is not the Nebula that we have known for all this time. That Nebula is dead. This Gamora. is somebody who was from a, huh? What did I say?
1: Nebula. nebula.
0: Okay. Well, my brain is always with Nebula. So what can I say?
1: <laughs> I can't blame you there at all.
0: Gamora. She was taken from this very specific point in time before she had any of that realization of, Hey, Thanos is a bad person. So she is not in the same state of mind that she was even with the first time we saw her. Of course, she's going to be a completely different person. Here, the Ravagers, they don't have that preconceived notion of who she was. They just accept her for who she is. And that's kind of what they realize this is what she needs at the end. She is not that Gamora. She will never be that Gamora. She is her own Gamora. I agree with that. I just don't see her
2: as a pirate.
0: At the point in time she was taken from where she's still very out for herself, I can definitely see it. Okay.
2: Groot. Groot has gone through an amazing transformation during all these movies and specials and everything. You know, we had the original Groot, and then we had baby Groot. Oh, We had teen Groot, which, let's face it, it was a teen. And then we had the, like, the Brute Groot in the holiday special. This was more, uh, for the most part of the movie, he was more, not a meathead, but a young adult. Like, mid to late twenties sort of Groot still kind of stacked, still working out, but he was beyond the gym meathead phase. I think and of course, at the very end, you got a more experienced Groot, but in the meantime you had, I don't know what we'll call spider head Groot, right? Right <laughs> around the thing Groot. Yeah. Then you had the, this, the straggly Groot, right? As he's growing back everything, but uh, it, Groot was great. Let's talk about the change of words. At the end, he did not say, I am Groot once. He said, I love you guys.
0: So it has been confirmed by James Gunn on Twitter that the whole thing is like, as we see through the movie, Gamora has no idea what Groot's saying. All she hears is, I am Groot. And by the end, it's like, okay, now she's close enough to him that she can understand him. And the whole thing is, yes, in fact, it's us, the audience. We are now close enough to Groot to be able to understand him. That was, in fact, the intent.
1: That's cool. And I'm, really, and I'm really glad that's what it is, too, because I like the fact that Groot is just, like, totally saying whatever he's saying, but those are the only sounds coming out of his face. I think we've been able to understand him for so long, just on an emotional level. And everything. And now we can actually understand the words that he's saying, not just get the general idea.
2: But then he goes back to saying, I am Groot a couple of times. There was the battle cry at the end on the planet when he was bigger Groot, right? I'm mm-hmm. Groot. And maybe that's just his battle cry, right? But when he was saying farewell to Gamora, he said, I am Groot as well.
1: We're not really
2: fluent yet. Okay. <laughs> we could pick up little pieces, but not the whole thing.
3: We need
0: I am Groot Duolingo.
3: Love is powerful enough for us to finally understand that intense emotion.
2: And it was nice that Vin Diesel, who voices group, was able to say, I love you guys like that too. So he is a way, you know, family, Fast and Furious, movie's out now. So you like the Fast and Furious. I know.
3: He could have said, I love you, family. We missed Vin Diesel saying a family outside of the Fast and Furious franchise. James Gunn, you missed a chance. You missed that chance.
2: It's all about family. (laughs) Nebula, Amy Pond, little Amy Pond for those Doctor Who fans out there. Gosh, the CGI that they did with her. It's like when her head was smashed and it was behind her and she was still
0: functioning. I was like, oh my, ouch. I I gotta admit, when I was watching, I was like, hey, Ehlers-Danlos buddies, rise up. Because some days it feels like that.
3: It's like, dear god can she even die because when she was all broken up i'm like oh no nebula and then she puts herself back together and then the whole head thing i'm like oh no nebula and then she puts herself back together and i'm just like i almost cried but then she put herself back together and i'm just like ow that's wow wow
2: she was a badass during this one. She went toe-to-toe more than anybody else with Adam Warlock. She was probably about the most powerful of the Guardians before Adam came on board.
1: And does it almost make it worse that she can't physically die? Because she has to keep going through all this stuff over and over and over.
0: Mm-hmm. At least she has pretty black eyes. As yeah. somebody with a you know, chronic pain and specifically joint issues, that's one of the reason i really latched on to this nebula is that whole okay everything hurts and you just kind of have to keep going
2: she kept on going and she she even be you know she admitted her faults at the end and she's like no somebody's got to run nowhere i'm going to run nowhere i'm going to need help drax you're going to stay here because you're a father now you know that that argument that they had with each other was coming back nebula has had white the storyline throughout these movies as well, because of everything that's happened to her. I think she's in a better place now, but I think she still has some healing to do.
0: Yeah. And in volume two, we get that whole, you wanted to win. And I just wanted a sister. So she's somebody who, again, talking about family has desperately wanted the sense of belonging, the sense of family. But she's been so physically and mentally abused that she cannot let her guard down. And here we see that as her anger, but we also see that as her strength with her going and rescuing these people, being there for these kids. She turns that into her strength. Yeah, she's indestructible because she was basically tortured into it, but she's found a way to use that for. We're good
2: i have two words for everybody suck it <laughs> no cowabunga dude chris are we happy with this origins for the teenage mutant ninja turtles
1: sure why not turtles are already so messed up anyway i mean i really like the matt burdock origin of everything but if we're going to change it this is a good one
2: <laughs> now technically we didn't actually get or see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but it was almost there. It was just yeah. consumed by anger, rage.
0: Angry turtle. Everybody is Raphael. So, fun fact, there at the end, when Rocket's busting out all of the animal experiments, Eagley from Peacekeeper is there as a cameo. Oh. Speaking of more actors that have worked with James Gunn on other things.
1: Well, heck, Ratcatcher 2 was who Peter was trying to kind of seduce to get into the secret You're
0: areas. Right. That was her, wasn't it?
2: All right. I'm going to have to admit, I had to take a restroom break in the middle of the movie and I chose that scene to leave. I'm like, okay, nothing important is going to happen here. I probably could pick up what's going on after I leave. So I went to the bathroom came right back so i missed that so i heard that there was some seduction but that's about it
0: he tried an attempt was made
1: it was really light if you can call any kind of spying seduction classy then i would say this is on the classier end
2: i heard that mantis continually tries to get drax to fall in love with people or people to fall in love with Drax.
1: It was
3: convenient to the plot. <laughs> she thinks it's funny.
1: I love, I love her that. so much.
3: Yeah, that moment she had with those creatures. That was cool. And then having,
0: yeah, those really big teeth. aboliths, I think we saw it, we, it. It was the last time we saw one was at the beginning of volume two. When they eat batteries. Yep. Aww. But yeah, we have, there was one moment with Mantis that. It's like, oh, it was like, oh, no. But at the same time, it's that whole, no, I wouldn't use mind control against my friends. But then when she says that Drax is an idiot, she feels really bad about it and tells him to forget it. And that was very much a turning point for her, I think, where she realized, like, there is maybe this is me projecting but like there is something wrong with me right now i am lashing out and putting it on everyone else i need to go take time for myself
2: yeah i wasn't sure how i felt about her just wiping his last couple of minutes there where she was calling him an idiot whatever and he was like oh you think i'm an idiot or whatever i I think that's what it was and i was thinking "Ah, that's kind of self-serving to be able to do that but on the other side drax would have completely regressed into himself and i don't know
0: on the one hand he's constantly calling her ugly in volume two but she calls him an idiot once and but at the same time she knows that what she said was hurtful and she knows that what she did was hurtful i think but we don't really get time to sit with that and explore it because you know the movie needs to go on
2: You know, I did say before that there was no loss in this movie. That's not correct. There was a whole planet lost, Counter-Earth and the entire society was lost during this. But we hadn't known them other than the cutesy neighborhood scene, really. So as an audience, it didn't really resonate with me. Maybe I'm hardened, whatever. It didn't really resonate to me that it was a loss. An ingrained loss. So that might be why I thought what I... Thought why I said what I said there,
3: it reminded me of the whole biblical, oh, God's upset, so let's do a flood and wipe everything off. Oh, God's upset again, let's destroy some cities because that's how the high evolutionary sees themselves. Here's the planet I thought I had it, correct. I'm just going to take a big eraser. Or just do, you know, select all, delete, and start again. And the brain is complex, and there's hormones involved and brain chemistry, because we did see some of the beings on that planet start dealing drugs and start beating each other up because... Like, does he just leave them there and uh, expect them to just make a society? Or does he actually try to give them any guidance? There was a recent experiment that I read about where they put 10, I think, 13, 14-year-old boys in, like, no parental guardian in, like, a space space. like a kitchen and a whole deal. And they did 10 girls. And by the end of it, the boys' place was just a mess. And they were eating cereal because that's all they had. And everything was dirty. But the girls had divided up the chores, had a whole plan and everything. So sometimes I'm not saying all boys are like this. I'm not saying all girls are like this. They were very surprised with this small sampling that something stereotypical happened. Sometimes stereotypes are true. I am sorry, but sometimes they are. So sometimes when you leave a group without guidance, they don't know what to do. They act on their first impulses because that's all they know immediately. And you could get chaos. While some individuals don't need guidance and they're fine. So it's interesting to know: like, does he just create all of these things, build some generic homes that just sort of look like 1950s post-World War II subdivisions and such, and just dump them there? Or does he leave some sort of, I don't know, 10 commandments around?
0: Yeah, it's, he left them. As far as we can tell, without any instructions, was completely hands off and then was mad because, again, it's the whole, it's the bad parent thing. This kid didn't turn out like I expected. I'm going to disown them, kick them out, murder them, whatever. And it just, again, it, it shows what a bad person the high evolutionary is. These people are, to him, it's like he's doing sketches in a sketchbook. And with each version, he's getting closer to what he wants, but he tears out and balls up and throws away each previous copy. And all those previous copies are living beings.
1: But he left them as big old statue of him holding a monkey with his mask face, which I thought was a really interesting choice. Like, why would he go with his pre-ripped off face if he's going to do that? It really makes me wonder how many times he has gone and done a genocide on an entire
2: planet. Yeah, that didn't necessarily look like New York to me. It looked like you had Gotham on one hand and Metropolis on the other hand, like in the DC movie Batman mm-hmm. versus Superman. Okay. As as far as the experiment, Michelle, I have one title for you. Lord of the Flies. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, right? Chris you know your astute designer mind went to something in this movie, which I actually agreed with wholeheartedly.
1: All right. So when you're going and creating suits in space, you're going to have a people are going to be in a new experience. You need to give them a familiar thing to go with. And Peter thinks along with the rest of us, hey, I want to talk to the person in the blue suit. I should press the blue button. What (laughs) crazy person goes and mixes up all the colors for what the buttons do. Symbols mean things. Colors mean things. Can you imagine if the red circle on your Procaster meant play the third track in your sound bank?
2: You know, I, this whole thing, the color thing, it just, it screws me up. I don't even know what soundboard I'm on.
1: Yes, no, no, yes,
2: (laughs) That's not the, that's not Marvel.
1: No, no, this is just bad user interface design. And. Oh, it angers me, but it angers me in the kind of way that it's cool for the movie to be okay with it. Like, I don't hate that it's in the movie. I hate that the people in the movie decided to do it this way.
0: So I'm not a technical person. I, you know, my background is in biology. But I have like all of my friends are engineers and I've heard people talk enough about bad user interface decisions that I'm wondering people had to be getting all sorts of like eye twitches and memories of if they had just done it like this.
2: I mean, it, it was all, in, the, in the end of the day, it was just a vehicle to have Peter say all this stuff so that everybody heard it at, at the end of the day. That's all that was there. Right.
1: Oh yeah. As far as a plot device, in the movie and everything perfectly fine with it. I thought it was funny. I have absolutely no problem, but that doesn't make me want to go strangle the designer who put it all together.
2: What did kind of want me strangle somebody in the movie was Stallone's acting. He was very, he, he was, it wasn't like he was, he was just there to collect a paycheck and have fun. He wasn't there to actually act. You could tell.
1: How is it any different from most other things he does? <laughs>
2: uh, He looks a lot like Judge Dredd, right? In this one. And at least in that, he's animated and he's moving. He's very strict and static and he's just walking back and forth. He's saying the things, but his actual physical acting is very, very much diminished. And I don't know if that was by James Gunn's direction or it seemed to be the way he was doing it while I was on screen. I don't know. Maybe it was to. Not overpower everybody else, you know, via direction, I don't know, or creation, right? According to HBO or Max or whatever, creator. (laughs) All right, let's start wrapping it up. So we'll start with you, Chris. What do you got? The way
1: that the Guardians of the Galaxy is set up, it's a team. A lot like X-Men. The focus isn't necessarily on the characters in there. The focus is on the team and what they do together. Same way with Avengers. So this might be the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. They get their stuff. They're done. That doesn't necessarily mean we're done with Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Here's to Volume 4. Rocket and Groot lead the team into some giant space adventure.
0: So we barely talked about Adam Warlock, who is a character I was really excited to see. His origin here was, again, different than in the comics, but not as different as you might think. In the comics, originally, he was still basically, you know, hatched out of this cocoon with no world experience, except here it's played a bit more for comedy instead of, like, immediately trying to sleep with Sith. Here, we again have that whole parental expectation thing, not only with... The high evolutionary, but with the sovereign of the gold people whose name I'm blanking out on. I think their name might be the sovereign.
2: The race's name is the sovereign.
0: Yeah. So we have them being mad at this kid for being a kid. And he's not what they expected. He wants this pet cat thing. He wants to make his mother proud. He, again, it's people not living up to parental expectations or parental expectations being different. And so naturally he ends up being taken in by the guardians and he even redeems himself for being a horrible person and injuring rocket there at the beginning by rescuing everyone at the end. So I'm glad we got to see Adam Warlock, even if he wasn't quite how I was expecting. Uh, Once again, parental drama, family, learning who you are. I loved this movie.
3: Don't kill a boy's mama. In volume two, this is how Quill ended up turning on ego. And because a high evolutionary killed his mama that made Adam Warlock turn and given the opportunity to start over because he saved. And he actually says, why did you save me? And it's Dracula that says everyone deserves a second chance.
2: I enjoyed the movie. I didn't hear any quabbles with me staying. It stuck the landing. So that's what we're going to go with unless yeah. somebody all mm-hmm. right, stuck the landing here. Not only with the film, with everything else. I think the first one was so unique because it was a departure from where Marvel was at that point in time. It was a good movie on its own, but it stood out in the MCU because it was so different. I think this one gets close but doesn't quite match the first one and maybe it's just because we're used to the guardians now whereas in the first one we weren't but i enjoyed it i glad i went to go see it in the theater didn't wait for it to pop up on disney plus and i hope that marvel cinematic universe continues to make good things and i wish james gunn all the best as he tries to take over the mess that's dc or the d u d e c u whatever you want to call it the dc universe i think or the gunverse or gunnerverse i've heard it called i wish him the best because he brought a certain gravitas to the marvel cinematic universe that it was additive to everything going on and he did a good job and so did all the actors and crew and everything um Is that a good place for them to end up better than anywhere? Right. So there we go. Next time we'll be covering Chris's long awaited
1: into the spider Verse two,
2: Part one, part one. There you go. We will be covering that the next time you hear us. And we'll be looking forward to secret invasion after that. In the meantime, we do have some Marvel studios news to cover.
1: First off, we have to have a question for everybody to chime in on how many new Gwens will I have at my desk by the time we record the next episode?
0: Six.
2: I'll go with four.
1: I mean, it's not like I can tell you an answer. We have time to figure it out. But that's good. Everybody has it on record. As for the things we're regularly scheduled to be doing right now, Marvel has put a pause on Thunderbolt's production due to, you guessed it, the writer's strike. Marvel Studios is delayed filming on another upcoming production as Deadline has learned in an exclusive story that the studio's Thunderbolts picture has pushed pause on the upcoming production which was set to start shooting in about 3 weeks in Atlanta. The crew was notified back on the 25th and insiders say that the plan is to resume production once the strike has ended. The strike does not have an end in sight. So that's the end of the thing. My personal commentary added here, the strike currently does not have an end in sight. So it's kind of an up in the air situation. You also have the screen actors guild and the director's guild potentially or very heavily leaning towards striking for connected, but different reasons. This is going to get a little bit messy and, Personally, I am just taking every timeline of every release schedule and throwing it out the window because we can't really trust any of it.
0: This isn't the only Marvel production to be hit by that too. We, I, I think, we've talked before about Blade being yep. delayed. Yeah, and then Blade's just
1: cursed at this point.
0: <sighs> I know. Yeah, much as I love that IP, and then also Deadpool three has started filming, but Ryan Reynolds won't be allowed to improvise because that does technically count as. As a writing credit, if you do it enough. Like, if you go back and watch the other Deadpool movies, you see like Ryan Reynolds' name among the writers because of that.
2: Why even film? Because <laughs> his improvisation is what makes the film.
0: Why? Because even- schedules are locked and people have cleared their schedules and the studio is saying they have to go ahead. I also think that they should just pause production, especially on something like Deadpool that requires that improvisation. But then again, I'm also kind of biased.
2: I agree wholeheartedly. Okay. So I get why they're going ahead and like, okay, you you guys think you're going to hurt us. The studios to the writer guild. We're not, we're going to go ahead and do it anyway. And we're going to make money off of it. And you're going to get nothing. I I just, I can see it. This whole thing is now from a personal standpoint, I agree. We've talked about it before. I agree wholeheartedly with the writers that support them. But from a personal standpoint, I am so backlogged. I am just now finishing Altered Carbon season one again. I, w- I don't think I finished the whole thing before I had watched probably about half of it. I'm on episode nine, episode 10. It doesn't matter. The point is, I have so much backlog. I have so much to watch personally that it doesn't really affect me when it comes down to it and i know that's bad to say from the writer's standpoint like i'm not going to cancel any of my subscriptions because of the, i might cancel netflix because of another reason but i'm not going to cancel my subscriptions because of the writer strike at this point because i have so much to consume and i don't know maybe i should maybe i should to show solidarity with the writers i don't know maybe you should start listening to a ton of podcasts
0: maybe yeah that particular aspect is kind of complicated because, on the one hand, you're not showing support to the networks by watching their replacement stuff, which, oh, I. So, apparently, a few years ago, the writers for non scripted shows, because those shows do have writers, tried to join the WGA and were not allowed to. But if they had, that would drastically, I think, change the landscape right now of where the strikes act because they would not be able to do any unscripted shows as part of their strike-proof lineup, which is not really so strike-proof. But the only show that I
2: watch in that genre that I'm aware of anyway is Deadliest Catch, and I don't really watch it anymore. But I, <laughs> I'm reading what's happening on the uh, subreddit, the Deadliest Catch subreddit. There is irateness going on with that show right now because it's so scripted. Mm-hmm. there's actual lines being fed to, and you could tell there's lines being fed to these cast that they're saying in order to fit a broader storyline that is bogus and just made up. And it's just, it ruined the show for a lot of the old guard. I don't know if newer people are coming into it and like, Oh, eating it up. And cause it's just, you know, reality TV or BTV or whatever, but
0: one of my guilty pleasures is 90 day fiance. And honestly, I take some solace in the fact that so much of it has become scripted because there's a lot of horrible relationship dynamics there. And I have no doubt that there's at least a base there, but that it's built on by writers. It makes me feel a little bit more comfortable with reality TV.
1: Lauren, I'm asking for a friend here who is definitely not me. What, Kinds of shows would fall under non-scripted shows:
0: um, competition shows, talk shows, the reality TV stuff like The Kardashians, Ninety Day Fiance, Deadliest Catch, all those ones that are supposed to be reality, but you know, you kind of have to have people inherently want to have a consistent story, and reality isn't ever that neat. So, almost anything that doesn't fall under scripted, there's still probably writers for. There's writers in wrestling. WWE has very publicly employed writers like Freddie Prince Jr., Tommy Blatcha. I don't remember who's working there right now.
1: So, it sounds like basically anything on current MTV.
0: Yes.
2: You know, I wrote down a list of the trailers that I saw yesterday and if I was interested in seeing the movie or not. So Flash, not going to see it in theater. I'm not going to support that, even though it sounds pretty cool at the base of it with all the, you know, Michael Keaton and, and possibly Nick Cage now and that sort of stuff. I, I'm not going to see it, just not going to do it in theater. I'm not going to support them on that. And the Hunger Games prequel, I'm not going to see that just because, eh. I mean, if you're big into the IP, sure, you guys might want to see it. I'm not going to see it. One that surprised me that I had not seen the trailer for yet was Oppenheimer, And that's about the first A-bomb test down at the Trinity site in New Mexico. I've been, I don't know if you guys have been there or not. I've been there. It is eerie. You see the, the green sand and everything down there. I've also seen other atomic testing sites, and it's horrific. Dune, definitely going to see that in theater. Uh, elemental, Eh, it's going to be on Disney plus, even if I wanted to see it, but I think I'm too old for that. Indiana Jones, definitely going to see that in the theater. The Marvel's definitely going to see that in theater. All right. All those movies, whether I said I'm definitely going to see them or not, I question the release dates at this point, because if there is some ADR that needs to come in with another line, something like that, it's not going to be possible because of the writer's strike.
1: The only release dates I trust now are from podcasts. (laughs)
2: all right lauren let's move on to the next story
0: okay in continuing the bummer news i guess an actor who has shown up in marvel not once but twice has died ray stevenson who first played he was the punisher in punisher war zone and then he was also volstagg in the thor movies died on sunday may 21st after a sudden illness and by sudden they mean like he started feeling bad on saturday and on sunday he was dead this hit me really hard ray stevenson played one of my favorite characters on one of my favorite tv shows ever titus polo on hbo's rome he's been in star wars in fact he i think just re- like they just wrapped ahsoka and he's in that one he was gar saxon in The Clone Wars series, which, again, delighted me because they got Kevin McKidd to be kind of his counterpart with the other Mandalorians. Kevin McKidd was Lucius Verinus, his best friend on that show. I've always really liked him. I wish that they had done more with him as Volstagg, although I get why they couldn't. These, These movies are already filled with enough characters. Not everyone's going to get a chance to shine. I did really, really like him in Punisher Warzone. It's just, it's a shame, and he was only 58, and it really sucks.
2: Yeah, the Warriors 3, they just, as far as the Marvel stuff, they, they didn't get fair shake, in my opinion. But at least we saw him, which is more than some other stuff going on. All right, Michelle, we've got a Loki update.
3: Yes, Loki Season 2, Disney Plus confirms major change in MCU release strategy. During Disney's 2023 Upfront event, Marvel Studios' President Kevin Feige revealed Loki Season 2 will premiere on October 6th, which currently signals a major departure from MCU's previous Disney Plus release strategy. Strangely enough, this release date has the Tom Hiddleston-led season premiering its first episode on a Friday, despite Disney Plus traditionally debuting new episodes of its Marvel, Star Wars, and other original series on Wednesdays. Loki Seasons 2 premiere date of Friday, October 6th, falls on the Columbus Day holiday weekend, indicating the shift was made to capitalize on the masses being off work and at home watching TV. Marvel Studios announced that its next show after Loki Season 2, Echo, will debut its entire six-episode season in historic fashion on Wednesday, November 29th, suggesting a one-off shift to a Friday premiere. At a rate of one episode per read, Loki ought to conclude its six-episode run with an epic finale on November 8th, assuming it hops back to Wednesdays. Although this would leave a comfortable three-week window ahead of the November 29th premiere of Echo, it also places the finale just two days apart from the Marvels.
2: Well, okay, another move. They're trying something else. I don't know. First of all, I agree with Chris. I didn't think the release dates up in the air at this point in time. Second of all, I do want to point out that I am actually offended that they called it Columbus day holiday weekend, which technically is true, but it is also indigenous day holiday weekend. So maybe Columbus day is more in the noble culture these days. Not every school gets off for this holiday either. It is a federal holiday. Both of them are They're on the same. They're celebrated on the same day. But it's not necessary. It's, it's just... A, it's...
0: I would much rather celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day than Columbus Day. Me too. Me too. It's just... It's the same day. It's I know. It's, it's the same day. It's kind of like how Southern racists have tried to do Confederate Appreciation Day or whatever, Confederate Remembrance Day on Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, except the opposite of that, because Columbus was a horrible genocidal maniac who was sent back to Italy for being too brutal to the natives and indigenous people just lived here the
3: article said Columbus Day I didn't want to change it but I do don't I don't say Columbus I also I say indigenous people
2: yeah so this is not a knock on Marvel this is the direct this is a knock com. on the
0: writer of the
2: yeah direct com yeah yeah uh, even uh, as close as maybe last year I might have done the same thing but I I am now in the camp of if I'm going to say Columbus Day say both of them or call it indigenous people day one of the two anyway not all schools get off so if they want to celebrate this or take capitalize on the masses being off it's not really the masses it's like a portion of the masses so you know it take any advantage you want you you can get but it's it, it doesn't apply to everybody. just want to point that out.
3: I think it's interesting they're dumping all six episodes of Echo.
2: That kind of makes sense to me if this actually occurs, because I think they learned something with Hawkeye. Now, Hawkeye was holiday-based, so I could see the way Hawkeye ran into them. But I, I also think that they're taking a look at the specials. Like last year they had the Halloween special and the Christmas special or the the holiday special. And they probably Disney Plus probably or Marvel probably took a look at the consumption data and when people were watching. And the fact if you run a show all the way up to that two week holiday time frame where end of the year where a lot of people get off, people are gonna stop watching start to mid-December and they're not going to come back. Whereas if you get closer to that U.S. Thanksgiving holiday weekend, and this is after that, so granted, but if you get closer to that, then people have more time to be able to consume stuff. So maybe this is just a trial, but I can see them wanting to try it out just because consumption And like I've told everybody else, I am taking December off from podcasting. We've already discussed it here with the team. I am taking December off from podcasting, mostly because past years just seems to be overcome with with personal stuff. This year, I'll become a grandfather. My daughter's due November 26th, so that's added on to everything. But yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm almost surprised that they're not waiting until after the holidays, but at the same time, maybe there is a desire as people go into their time off to be able to consume stuff.
1: And there is a daredevil and echo series that just started in the comics that might have something to do with wanting to keep everything going. Probably not, but I can dream that there's more comic (laughs) and video synergy going.
2: Kevin Feige is in control of both houses now so i could see at least scheduling going on all right well we'll see if this actually happens at this point i who knows may or may not so michelle how should we get this one out
3: we are going to tell cosmo that she's a good dog
2: I want to thank everybody for watching and listening. We really appreciate your being able to spend some time with us. And more importantly, talk to us online, either on our social media or on a Discord server or via email, voicemail, whatever. Talk to us about your takes on everything. Really appreciate that. I also want to take this opportunity to point you at similar podcasts on the going Geek Network. There's capes on the couch where they cover characters and their mental stability as they go forward as well as Smoking and Drinking in Capes. They've already covered Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, so if you haven't already, go back. I will warn you, they are a not-suitable-for-work podcast, so there's some language in there. But other than that, they have really keen insights, so you can check them both out at gonnageek.com.
3: Yes, we always enjoy it when people interact with us. There is a lively discussion on our Discord. Our Discord is very active, so I do encourage you to come and hang out. Even if you don't participate, you get to really see some very fun interaction. And like I said, and even SP verified, there is a toilet talk channel. I find that hilarious. I do.
1: Toilets can get very complex, and everything. It's very important time there. But if you want to check out another kind of comicsy based podcast, you can always come hear me at Play Comics, where as of the time of recording this, the last episode put out was looking at Golgo 13 because okay. I somehow missed it going through the NES games. And the next episode that will be coming out is looking at the tie in game for Spider-Man 2 way back in the Tobey Maguire era.
0: Didn't the creator of GoGo13 just die like a month or two ago?
1: Yes, very recently. I'm not sure exactly on the timeline. That was just incidentally actually being on topic timing for me.
0: Well, good synchronicity there. Thank you to my amazing, wonderful, excellent co-hosts. You guys are funny and smart and just I love being able to hang out and talk with you it's not a podcast but if you want to hear audiobooks I have a whole bunch out including my latest psychic city which is not on audible yet but is on a whole bunch of other platforms for some reason listing on audible takes forever sometimes but so yeah you can find all that at my website lwselinas.com and yeah, thank you so much for coming along with us on this journey.
2: Don't forget, next time we'll be talking about the next iteration in the Sony animation of Spider-Man. Until next time, I'm Director SP.
3: I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle.
1: And I'm Agent. I hope I'm a good boy, Chris.
3: Oh.
2: <laughs> Bye-bye. We'll see everybody next time.
3: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Ruff, ruff.
2: Good dog, Cosmo. Good dog. Good dog.
3: (laughs) Thank
1: you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin MacLeod, found at Incompetech.com, and also artists on Pond5.com and AudioJungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2023.